Coming right up, Straight Talk with Art Levine. Our guest tonight, Orange County Supervisor John Morlock, as we continue our 21st anniversary year. Closed captioning provided by Scan Health Plan. Straight Talk is brought to you in part by Southern California Edison. For over 100 years, life powered by Edison. The Press-Telegram, your local news leader for over 100 years. Join us for tonight's edition of Straight Talk. And now your host, Art Levine. Good evening and welcome to Straight Talk. We've got a great show for you tonight. Our guest for the entire show is the Honorable John Morlock, Supervisor on the Orange County Board of Supervisors. John, welcome back to Straight Talk. Always good to be here, Art. Thanks. You just got off your term as uh, Chair of the Board of Supervisors, and you recently gave a lengthy PowerPoint presentation that you were nice enough to send me without an executive summary, so I had to pour through it all to learn what you're going to tell us now about what's the shape of things in Orange County. Well, I'm glad we have a couple of hours to do that, Art. <laughs> um, we, we certainly had some fun in 2012. Uh, in October of 2011, the state uh, implemented realignment of state prisoners, so we, we had to work through that. In uh, December of 2011, on the 29th, in fact, the state Supreme Court decided to terminate redevelopment agencies, so that created a pretty fast timeline that we had to address those issues in 2012. And we've just uh, been uh, in, in negotiations with our largest bargaining units, which still has not concluded because it's been an interesting time where we have not provided raises for four years, three years plus, and uh, it's still difficult to do so because we've focused on a total compensation approach. So employees may not be getting raises, but their medical insurance and their pension contributions continue to rise. We've had uh, employee average total compensation go up some 16% in the last five years, but our real estate taxes have been flat to you know, almost non-existent because of the, the, the impacts of the economy on real estate. So we've had a lot of interesting uh, things to work through, including uh, litigation uh, results, and we had some scandals and some other Fun activity. So there all was plenty all, to talk about. It was an action-packed year. Well, let's let's focus for a moment on uh, realignment because every county has faced that, and the larger counties, such as Los Angeles, particularly impacted by the release of state prisoners uh, to the counties whose jails, at least in the case of LA County, are already busting at the seams. And now a bunch of additional prisoners are released to them, to the sheriff, and he has to decide who's going to be let it go and who's not. Uh, it seems to many of us that, again, we see the state trying to balance its books on the backs of the counties in this case or municipalities in other cases. Yeah, it's been an interesting drill. Governor Brown had a federal court order to reduce the population of his prisons. Um, they were, uh, they came up with realignment and, and realignment is one of these things where uh, if, if you can have counties take on more 
and then somehow find a revenue source to take care of that, then he can get around what's called Prop 98, which means that a, a certain percentage of tax revenues, about 50%, has to go to education. So anything you can realign kind of modifies that computation. It was done by Governor Wilson back in 1993 with Proposition 172. So kind of a common uh, technique, but then it brings up the argument, what's better? Is it better for the counties to handle some of these activities or is it better for the state? And we would think that it would be better handled at the county level. We could work with our own population, work on trying to uh, address recidivism and all those other issues. Uh, but the, the concern is that we have adequate funding. So and the money only came really for the first year, as I understand it, but there's no guarantee of follow-up money with all of the probation and parole expenses that the counties now have to bear. And so what Governor Brown did is he said, I'm going to raise taxes through a ballot measure. I want the registered voters of California to vote their own tax increase. And so he provided us with Proposition 30, which was on the November ballot. Right. And then in that proposition, he also put in a, a constitutional amendment that would guarantee funding for the realignment of state prisoners to the counties. So Prop 30 passed, and so now we have a guaranteed uh, income stream for all the counties. For years to come. Theoretically, yeah. yeah. So now the issue is, how is it working? Orange County is only 800 square miles. Uh, we have a great working uh, relationship with our sheriff, our probation chief, our district attorney, our public defender, our health care agency, our superior court system. Uh, we, we collaborate and meet more than once a month. I know I chair the Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee. They're all in the room. We've worked really hard to work with, including the police chiefs, uh, to, to address the influx of these yeah. prisoners, which kind of came a little bit every month, and now we're up to about 2,500 of them in the county. Well, it's a real problem in L.A. County, and I can tell you it's a problem in Long Beach. Uh, the chief has addressed it and said it makes our job more difficult, the release of more bad guys. It does Coupled with job. the recession. Right. But what's awkward is that we can't seem to quantify it quite yet. The uh, personal property crimes yeah. are rising, but we have not been able to attribute that to the release of these parolees in our, yeah. our It counties. could be the recession. That could be often the recession. happens in bad times. It could be that property crimes are a little easier. If you see a laptop in yeah. a car at night, you pop the window, you take it, yeah. and you don't, you, know, you don't have any fingerprints, you're gone. It's... It's easy crime, and, and so that's Let, certainly gone up. Let's turn to another, and you mentioned uh, the determination of redevelopment agencies. Uh, what's your take on whether that was a wise thing? Well, it was a money grab by the governor. A lot of these redevelopment agencies had a lot of reserves, and so he saw that as something that was there. Well, again, solving in. state problems on the backs of counties and municipalities. Exactly. In Orange County's case, we only had two redevelopment agencies, and one was in my district that I had already been shutting down as yeah. it is. It's the one that we call it Santa Ana Heights, where the airport, John Wayne Airport, flies over when they take off. The, uh, the issue is that redevelopment was to take care of blighted areas, and you would come in as a city, take that small little area of your city, and, and revitalize it, and then any property tax increases over time would go to the city, which means it was taken away from the schools, it was taken away from the county. Now, some cities said, well, if a little bit is good, maybe the whole thing would be great. So we have two cities in Orange County, Westminster, 
decided to make their entire city a redevelopment agency. The city of Stanton is about 96. Buena Park is about 56. So you would consider that a, an abuse of that statute. I would say that that was probably a good sales pitch that should not have been bought. Yeah. And so it created issues. And so when you could lay up in front of everyone the abuses, then someone could say, okay, we're going to stop it all. Also, uh, where the property being fixed up was not so much blighted, but uh, the replacement was going to be a private shopping center and kind of stretching the limits of the statute. So there were abuses, and ultimately it caused the demise right. of redevelopment. That hurt a lot of cities, but right. maybe it was a good thing. Well, it takes away low-income housing opportunities and business, yeah. you know, and economic development. It, so it was sort of throwing everything out. Now, how do we reconfigure it? Okay, in the that? next segment, we're going to talk about the, the elephant in the room, the big one, uh, pension reform and, uh, and debt. And no one is more articulate on this issue and has been a spokesperson on this issue for longer than John Morlock. We'll be right back. Supported by Edison International. Californians are getting to be old hands at year-round energy conservation. Part of our special awareness of the resources we all depend on, we're making the change to energy-efficient light bulbs, keeping warm-weather thermostats set to a comfortable 78 degrees, and giving major appliances the afternoon off. Because when it comes to energy conservation, it all adds up. Life, powered by Edison. In today's world, everything's connected. From the workplaces that support us, to the homes that welcome us, to the trees and wildlife habitats that remind us how important our environment is. When a bird lands on a branch, and in the midst of a busy day, we stop to watch. It makes us realize we're all in the same boat. The Port of Long Beach welcomes this world with open arms, an environmental policy that's second to none, and a commitment to shaping a vibrant community. The Port of Long Beach, thinking outside the docks. Hello, I'm Jessica Hardy, a proud Long Beach native and a member of the USA Swimming national team. Having spent much of my life in water, I've developed a deep appreciation for the valuable role that this precious resource plays in our lives. In recent years, California's water supply has become unreliable. To address this reality, Long Beach residents have dramatically reduced their water use through permanent lifestyle changes. In doing so, Long Beach has made itself a leader in water conservation. As I work hard to achieve my personal goal of qualifying for the 2012 Summer Olympics, I encourage you to continue your tremendous efforts to use water in smart and responsible ways. So join me and your fellow Long Beach residents in strengthening the water conservation movement. By making small but significant changes in our water use habits, together we can ensure that we have a reliable water supply for many generations to come. We're continuing our conversation with Orange County Supervisor John Morlock, who was an early warning system for the problem of debt and uh, ran for treasurer in Orange County some years ago, warning that their investments were improvident. No one listened. The treasurer was reelected. Six months later, Orange County was bankrupt. John was appointed treasurer, then elected treasurer, and then subsequent Orange County Supervisor. And we're proud to say a graduate of Long Beach State College of Business Administration, majoring in accounting, and applying well the lessons you learned here. I'm a proud 49er. There you go. 
So in your voluminous PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> you have this concept of comprehensive annual, um, I'm sorry, adjusted net assets. And uh, apparently it's an, it's an accepted figure and you've calculated the net assets per capita for all the different counties. And uh, Orange County comes out minus $3 and the range goes from <coughs> a plus of several hundred dollars account and 5,000 dollars per uh, in Alpine and uh, going down to zero and then going negative in some of the counties, Yuba, San Francisco, Modak, minus 1400 per capita. But this gives you a base of comparison. Right. You want to, you know, as an accountant, you always want to kind of compare how you're doing to others. That's a management tool. So you take the comprehensive annual financial report, which are the audited financial statements for every county, and you look at their uh, basic financial statements and say, okay, what's happening with government activities? If, if, if we take their net assets, that uh, gets down to what we call unrestricted, <coughs> divide that by their population, what do we get? What metric do we get to measure ourselves? When you talk about the bankruptcy, Orange County lost about $1.7 billion. That's a big you know, torpedo, big hit to take for the, for the county. So we know we're already a little behind, but when we did the metric to find that we were in 46th place, it was a little disconcerting because everybody says, oh, Orange County is such a wealthy county. But uh, we, we certainly need to manage ourselves a little better. And so the focus while I was chair was to what can we do to, to improve our net unrestricted assets? And uh, there's a question of whether you include retiree medical and defined benefit pension plan liabilities in these numbers. Should, should they be included or they are those separate? Art, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, which everyone that uh, has publicly traded stock and everyone else in the private sector has to abide by, has, has requested for 25 years that unfunded liabilities for pension plans be reported on the balance sheet. That has not been the case with the Government Accounting Standards Board, which municipalities have to abide by. So if it's in the shadows, you can play with it, right? And no one's watching. And that's why we have such pension abuse in California and around the country. <coughs> Excuse me. So if you put our unfunded liabilities, we have a, 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 a over $3.7 billion as of June 10th, 9, uh, 2010. Uh, we have $3.7 in, in pension and about $400 million in uh, un, uh, uh, retiree medical uh, unfunded. That gets us up to a negative $4.1 billion uh, on our balance sheet. And which that's $1,400 per capita, not $3 per capita. Right. Negative. It, yeah, if the, the balance sheet would show you that per capita, everyone in Orange County should give, give up Starbucks for one day and give that $3 to the county. <laughs> and that would give us $10 million, you know, 3 million times three. But that one But this number, you got to give up Starbucks every day of the year for every one of our residents. It's that, it's that large. And you call it the elephant in the room. But in 2011, this is a 2010 number, but in 2011, our pension system earned less than 1%. It also had to increase assumptions for longevity. Our retirees are living longer. And at the end of 2012, in December, they reduced the investment assumption rate from seven and three quarters to seven and a quarter. So between the poor revenues and the, and the, the reduction in the investment assumption, we now have an unfunded liability of 5.5 billion. So now, you're not popular with 
the unions in bringing these realities up? Well, uh, denial is not a good strategy. <coughs> the issue is this is what has begotten from your demand that you have a better pension formula. And so you might call it the rule of unintended consequences, or maybe it's just greed. But you decided somewhere that pensions were more important than salaries and everything else. And so now we've got to manage to that. And what do we do? Do we reduce your wages? Do we change other benefits? Or do we change the pension system Well, itself? I think an important principle is sustainability and asking uh, of any situation whether the current numbers are sustainable without change. And if the answer is no, they're not, that at some point it just explodes and it's, uh, the, the community can simply not support it, I think it's in everyone's interest to make an adjustment because you don't want to start firing people, laying people off, but you have to control the cost to the community so you work out a compromise. That's right. And so we need a little help from the federal government and the state government to give us some tools to do that. And that's certainly what we're up against. The federal government could certainly help by setting a better model of responsible budget keeping than they currently engage in. Yeah. But what's been happening at the local level, Long Beach, L.A. County, everywhere else, is that our property taxes have leveled out, our sales tax has gone down, starting to climb a little bit, but we saw it go down 19%. It hasn't happened in the last 20 years to see that kind of adjustment. And then you have pension contributions going up. So you have this major squeeze that's occurring. And how do we manage to that? How do we you know, deal with those cards that we've been given? In the private sector, of course, uh, where business is, is trending down, they can and do make adjustments in costs, including uh, layoff of workers or salary reductions or no bonuses, but there's less flexibility in the public sector. Right, and the private sector has been pretty aggressive in getting out of defined benefit pension plans. They're now mostly in defined contribution plans if you look at the Fortune 500. But government went the complete opposite direction. Instead of getting out and modifying, they increased formulas going from, for public safety, from 2% at age 50 if they retire to 3% at 50, retroactive to the date of hire. So it just creates massive liabilities. And not too many years ago, the state permitted uh, a 33% increase for nothing in everyone's pension. It was kind of outrageous, and most cities went along with that opportunity. Well, they the thought managers the thought it was great because they got it too, right? So yeah. everybody's got blood on their hands, but they didn't think through the sustainability or maybe even the appropriateness of such a decision. Yeah. Well, uh, we only can ignore the facts at our peril because sooner or later reality catches up. And as you well know, several counties have gone bankrupt, cities have gone bankrupt, and uh, more down the road, I suppose. Stockton and San Bernardino, both of those cities were casualties of this squeeze. Eventually your money runs out and yeah. you can't afford to pay all the bills. And so you find yourself in front of a federal bankruptcy judge. So better take the hit now and suffer a bitter pain than the enormous pain that will come when you actually go bankrupt. Plus the scarlet letter of always being known that yeah. you are a bankrupt county like Orange still carries today. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back with the rest of our show after these messages.
How do you like your chances the rest of the way? I got no idea. But I do know that if we stay with Naples Rib Company, at least we won't go hungry. Coach, what do you think about some of those questionable calls tonight? Oh, yeah, but if you want a sound call, I'd call Naples Rib Company. You can't miss on that call. Then Naples Rib Company is part of your game plan? There really is nothing more motivating than a great barbecue meal at Naples Rib Company. Victory or not, Naples Rib Company, great game plan. At Performance Plus Tire, you'll find we carry Toyo tires. For over 50 years, Toyo has been a world leader in the development of high-quality tires. Optimum performance, safety, and a comfortable ride. That's what makes Toyo tires great. And now come into Performance Plus Tire for a great deal on these Toyo tires. Proxies ST, Open Country AT, and Proxies 4. Toyo tires, driven to perform. Come in today and we'll install new Toyo tires on your vehicle while you wait. Performance Plus Tire on Cherry Avenue, one mile north of the 405 in Long Beach. I want to improve my career opportunities. I want to earn a higher salary at my job. I'd like to finish what I started. The new Bachelor of Arts in Liberal Arts degree completion program at Cal State Long Beach will help you achieve your educational goals while keeping your life in balance. Contact our customer service center at 1-800-963-2250 for more information or visit us on the web. Let CSULB help you finish what you started. Did you know you or your family may be eligible to receive as much as $5,800 from the federal government? Learn how you can receive free income tax assistance from certified preparers to apply for the Earned Income Tax Credit. For more information, go to Board of Equalization Chairman Jerome Horton's webpage, which can be accessed at boe.ca.gov. Chairman Horton encourages you to make your appointment today at 1-323-980-1221. John, I'd like to switch gears in this segment for a moment. Uh, we all uh, were saddened by the passing of a wonderful longtime TV host, Hugh Hauser. You knew him personally, and apparently you were going to a ceremony right after the taping of this show uh, honoring him. Uh, give us your thoughts about Hugh. Well, he was genuine, and he was uh, kind, and he was... Uh, uh, he was he was just a fun individual. I, I, it's been fun to read all the articles, uh, you know, in the local papers, uh, how beloved Yule was. Uh, I met Yule through uh, serving on the state's sesquicentennial foundation board, and he was on the state sesquicentennial commission board. So the first commission meeting I went to, uh, he was there, and before you know it, he comes up to you and he says. Uh, how are you getting to the airport? And I said, well, I'll take the van. He says, oh, no, 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 let me take you and let's do lunch beforehand. So, he, so we would be together at events and just had a, had a fun time. Very popular out walking around with, uh, with his fans. He's just and, and, uh, very gracious. So we just had a lot of fun. Uh, he discovered so many unique places and people in California and brought such a affection and love to his work and, and you were exploring and getting a kick out of meeting these people and seeing these places right along with him. And he did it with just one cameraman out there with him and, uh, and took us on this journey around the entire state. Well, like yourself, he was very gifted as a TV personality. He had a simple rule. He just kind of, he would say, you go up to a guy who's busy trimming his roses and you say, you know, those are the most beautiful roses I've ever seen. What do you do to make them look so great? And Boom, you know, the guy's gonna talk for how long? You know, everybody has a story. 
It's the secret is to find that story and hit that noggin, and the person opens up and blossoms just like the flower. Beautiful. Yeah. See, that's why you're such a talented oh. host. That was Thank incredible. You. Thank you so much. Well, um, uh, we're going to be back with the uh, remaining portions of our show after these messages. When I was a boy growing up in Italy, I had a dream to own my own store. I came to the United States and I worked hard as a tailor. Hi, I'm Umberto. I've been in Long Beach since 1960, carrying the finest quality men's clothing. It was a long way away, but styles are just around the corner. Umberto, 2141 Bellflower, Long Beach. Founded in 1976, Polly's Gourmet Coffee is Southern California's most complete gourmet coffee store. Polly's has the best tasting coffee, freshly roasted every day right in the store. Plus a wide selection of teas, an in-house bakery, espresso bar, patio dining, and more. We also offer Wi-Fi, free internet access for all of our customers. Our nationwide clientele agree, when it comes to coffee, there's only one name to remember, Polly's. 4606 East 2nd Street, welcoming you into Belmont Shore. who are closest to you, from our family to yours. McCarty's Jewelry, since 1932. Bill Trainees mixes California style with continental cuisine that includes fresh seafood from around the world. Since Bill is the chef, the menu has a wide variety of pastas, salads, soups, and appetizers that feature his unique personal touch. And the Italian-American signature dishes are simply beyond delicious. You never know who you're going to run into at trainees, from the famous sports legends on the Wall of Fame to local celebrities having a drink at the bar. For the best fine dining experience, visit Phil Trainees. I think we're fortunate to have a man of the integrity and intelligence of John Morlock serving us in the capacity uh, that he serves as Orange County Supervisor. While you may not agree with all of his positions, He's doing what, in his judgment, is economically necessary for the sustainability of the county. So, John, we thank you for your service to the community. And I want to give you the last minute or two to say whatever you want to our viewers. Well, Art, uh, we've talked about sustainability. And because of the way the, stack, the tax structure is, is, is designed here in California, the, the counties in the, in the state, 92% of their revenue is now property taxes. So we can only budget as property taxes grow. So if they're growing 2% a year or 3% a year, then we can only expand our expenses by 2 or 3% per year. So when we are trying to work with our workforce, we're saying, look, we can't go past that. We can't drive ourselves off our own fiscal cliff. So when it comes to your total compensation, let's see what we can do to stay within the growth rate of property taxes. So let's hope real estate prices go up and there's more development. But in the meantime, we have to manage to that. And that's sort of the new norm. And that's what we're doing. Years ago, you might have been a voice in the wilderness. I think today there's greater understanding and support for the 
for the proposition that you just enunciated. Well, thank you. That's what we're doing as at least five supervisors in Orange County, and I'm sure they're doing it in the 57 other counties as well. Good. Well, again, thank you for joining us and uh, wishing you continued success in your, in your hard work. Thank you, Art. And thank you for joining us at home, and please be with us next week for the next edition of Straight Talk. Good night, everyone. Straight Talk has been brought to you by Southern California Edison, the Press-Telegram, and remember, Straight Talk is viewable worldwide 24-7 at straighttalktv.com.